I got fixed. And from that knowledge, everything else follows suit, right? I mean, I mean, you found that scientifically, right? That is, that is true, but you made me think of something here. Now, is it true that when you're an ultra successful guy, you have to have Richard Branson hair? <laughs> well, I heard that. <laughs> I mean, you've kind of got it going on there. I mean, he's got this thick wavy hair. I, I don't know. I, I think there might be something to that. I'm going to grow my hair out. Just to say. <laughs> That's great. performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Uh, today's cool fact of the day is that sleep probably triggers what I'm going to call rhythmic power washing in your brain. And when you're asleep, every 20 seconds counts because that's when a wave of fresh cerebrospinal fluid rolls into your brain when you're asleep. And those slow rhythmic blasts probably explain at least part of why sleep is so important for brain health. And we didn't understand how rhythmic and how how pulsing these were until Science Magazine published an article from a new study out of Boston University. Previous studies on animals, at least, showed that this fluid, I'm going to call it CSF for cerebral spinal fluid, that it washes harmful proteins, including beta amyloids, which are part of Alzheimer's disease, out of your brain. And in the Bulletproof Diet and in Headstrong, I went into great detail. In fact, I found studies that showed the glymphatic system that powers this is powered by mitochondria. Thus, if you were to do something to make sure that you have stable energy in your mitochondria, your sleep efficiency can go up. But in this study, they looked at fast fMRI and found that every 20 seconds, there was a wave of fresh cerebral spinal fluid. And the pattern is really obvious and really big. And when we're awake, we have small, gentle waves of this that are linked to how you breathe. And if you look at those as normal waves, when you sleep, you have tsunamis. And this is the first time they've really tied together different areas of neuroscience. And this is what's happening in medicine and in biohacking that's phenomenal. They're looking at sleep quality. Oh, that's your sleep specialist. That's one kind of doctor. They're looking at brain waves. Oh, EEG stuff. I, I'm kind of into brain waves. I have an EEG clinic that I started. And then they look at cerebral spinal fluid. Oh, you're a, a spine surgeon? Okay. <laughs> and maybe an anesthesiologist. And they looked at blood flow, which is a vascular specialist or a cardiovascular specialist. And they're saying, oh my God, all these are connected. What are we going to do? You're going to have to make systems-based medicine instead of uh, cutting the body into these different systems that, are not, that, that we don't think of as interacting. So here's what happens. First, a slow wave of nerve cells electroactivity, the kind that indicates non-REM sleep sweeps the brain, then oxygen levels in the blood in the brain fall, which means that blood has left the brain. And finally, probably to take place of that blood that exited, the wave of cerebral spinal fluid comes in. And what does that mean? You better learn not just to sleep however many hours a day. By the way, people live longer on six and a half hours of sleep than eight hours of sleep. That's because healthy people live longer, not because you need less sleep. But what, however much sleep you get to wake up and feel good, you better get really good sleep for the time you're asleep. And one of the things that no one understood was you're creating these waves of pressure that come in. And it's neat because the cells in your brain are dumping their liquid. They actually shrink and then they're replacing that liquid with clean liquid. If you're not doing that for, oh, the next 100, maybe 180 years, 
you're probably going to have brain cells full of garbage. Either that or you could just use social media. It's up to you. (laughs) What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Now, today's podcast is a podcast that I'm recording remotely, although I was planning to record it in person because two days ago, I was in Costa Rica at a place called Rhythmia. Rhythmia is the world's first medically certified, I'm gonna call it plant medicine uh, compound. Uh, what do you what do you call that, Jerry? We're, uh, we like to think we're a, a life advancement center, but a medically licensed plant. A life advancement center, that sounds very, very high tech. By the way, you're, I'm talking with Jerry Powell, um, who's the founder of Rhythmia uh, on the show. So I, I went down there and uh, and checked out the facilities, which were really beautiful, big pool. Jerry's a, I'm going to call him a consciousness a thought leader. He's an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and an inspirational speaker. He's also, a, I'm going to call him a one percenter. And he made his millions creating and selling multiple companies. And he also had multiple addictions that he's been really open about in his talks. And he mapped out a, we'll call it a psycho-spiritual path that included plant medicines that helped him overcome his addictions. And we're going to talk today about his experience um, as a former addict uh, and what happened, kind of his path um, on being really successful. And even before we get into it, I've just got to congratulate uh, Jerry on the amount of courage it takes to say, like, I'm an ultra successful guy. And by the way, I had some serious problems because so many people, you look at them, you think they're successful and they're, they're presenting their Instagram version of their life to you, uh-huh. but inside it's a total shit show. <laughs> so, so thanks for saying, hey guys, I'm pretty damn successful, but I had some stuff. I, I think you're doing service to the world just in that alone. So I appreciate you coming on the show. 
Uh, thanks for saying that. Jerry, walk me through your kind of rags to riches story. This is before uh-huh. you started Rhythmia. So just, just Absolutely. tell me about this. This is what you would share on stage when you're doing your inspirational speaking, but a lot of people listening probably haven't heard about you. So and, what happened? And I don't, I don't even consider myself a thought leader or an inspirational speaker or well, you, special. You get on stage and you talk about inspirational speaking and all that. Doesn't yes. that make you a thought leader? Yeah, I don't think so because uh, I'm more of a cheerleader for a plant than I am a thought <laughs> You know, right, like you're, you're I, a cheerleader, not a thought leader. All right, I'll. I'll. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, my, you know, my upbringing was rough. I was raised in a rough environment, and uh, Irish Italian Catholic uh, family, and uh, I developed addictions very, very young. At like 13, I I was drinking a lot by the time I was 13, and my life, I I got kicked out of school you know, when I was 17 and, and dropped out at 17 and wound up in jail and, you know, a typical, very bad start. And, um, I threw through the grace of God, if whatever God is, uh, I didn't end up getting convicted. I was, uh, uh, I was accused of, of doing these seven crimes that I did, but I didn't wind up getting uh, convicted. And, and I, when I got out of jail, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to do something with my life. And How much me, time, how long were you in jail? Maybe a month. Uh-huh, okay, a month. En- enough to realize that you probably didn't want to do that for longer. And it wasn't a place I was in charge. I noticed that. You know, I was not <laughs> in charge of jail. <laughs> and this was after you'd made all your money? No, I was, was a when kid. you were a kid. I was, okay. I was just out of high school. And, uh, and But I got acquitted of all those things, and, and I decided I wanted to make money. Uh, because that's that's all I knew was if somebody made money, they were good. And they were and, safe too, right? They were safe. And like, so I, I became a millionaire in my 20s. I took a company public in my 30s and I had a, a real good net worth. And then I went bank, not bankrupt, but but I I went broke in the dot-com crash. Yeah, uh, me too. I made $6 million, lost <laughs> $6 million before I was 30. Yeah, that's I had a negative net worth of $6 million right then. That's crazy. Uh, wow. <laughs> I never went negative, but I went from zero to six and back to zero. I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, okay. I feel you. But you had like 30 cars, two airplanes. Yeah, but, and, but then I started a company at 38 that I sold when I was 42 for about $90 million in cash that netted down to 60-ish million my end. But my life was terrible. I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a sex addict. I was terminally unhappy. I tried to commit suicide a couple times. It was really, I okay. was, and I was not a nice guy. You know, I was a bad guy. Yeah. Wow. So you, you had sex and drugs, but you didn't have an electric guitar, so you didn't have the trifecta of rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was short the guitar. <laughs> well, uh, at least just two out of three. Okay, so yeah, you dodged a bullet there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, all my musician friends are like, Dave, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, um, drugs. You use plant medicine. Those are drugs. So, but they're really not. Are, are, are they like, you know... Well, I, I mean, heroin's a plant medicine. I, there, there's a it chapter is. in Superhuman about heroin is an anti-aging drug. It actually has anti-aging <laughs> properties. I'm not proposing people go to heroin or anything, but... I, and yeah. nicotine, uh, you know, people hear me spraying nicotine on the show, and I've written about nicotine for Alzheimer's disease. In fact, there's something called the tobacanero, 
these are shamans who use insane amounts of nicotine to go yeah, into altered are. states like ayahuasqueros, which are the people yeah. who use ayahuasca, which is uh, one of the plant medicines that's a part yes. of what you do arrhythmia. Uh, so like, okay, what drugs were you addicted to? I was addicted to injectable Demerol, which was the, <laughs> that was the real hard one for me. Okay. The rest was easy, the cocaine and the Xanax, and the, that was pretty okay. But the, the Demerol got me in a pretty bad space. I, the reason I laughed when you said Demerol wasn't out of disrespect. I've only had Demerol once, and I was maybe 19, and I had uh-huh. my first of three knee surgeries I had before I was 23. So I'm this you know fat kid, and I'm in the hospital. And afterwards, especially back you know, 30 years ago, the knee surgeries were pretty brutal, and they're very painful. They put a, a screw in, in the bone. And the nurse said, oh, here, do you want some Demerol? And so she gave me a, a shot of injectable Demerol, the only time I've had it. And within like 30 seconds, I looked at my mom who was in the room and I go, oh my God, it's like two six packs of beer and a needle. And, and I, I still remember this. You just made that, pop, that memory pop into my head. So I could see getting addicted to that stuff because I felt really good. Like yeah, the pain just went away. Really good. Yeah. Okay. So why were you in so much pain? Uh, the pain was emotional pain from something that I... I couldn't get in touch with that happened when I was, when I was young. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah. So when all, all this went on and I, I ended up going to uh, a rehab center and I met Dr. Jeff, who's a partner of mine in this business uh, 10 years ago. And I went to this rehab center and then the rehab center led me to uh, a spiritual kind of quest. And, and right before I was ready to commit suicide again, uh-huh. And somebody said, hey, you better go try this plant medicine. And I, I went to Costa Rica. I did this medicine. And I was taken by a little boy who was me, showed me an interactive video that I was involved in of when I was a little boy and showed me getting sexually abused by my grandfather. Oh, wow. And, and while it was happening, though, I remembered it because – it happened behind a door and I didn't want to open the door because there was the memory of something bad in that room. And, and then when I became involved in the uh, experience of, of watching it again, it was very old hat to me, something I knew. And it explained why I was an alcoholic, why I was a drug addict, why I was a sex addict, why I didn't trust men, why I was weird with women, like it explained everything. And, uh, Could you even remember it? Was it something that you were conscious of or had it been sort of blacked out? No, never, never knew about it. And then I, I asked my mom after I found out about it, and she goes, you know, we always thought something like that happened, but we never, and I'm like, how can but you also it, it's very hard as a parent like, like you're like we thought there was something weird but we didn't know and it couldn't really be and how could anyone right. do that and exactly it, right. so yeah. so then of course the issues with women can come from that because like you weren't protected the way that all children should be protected right, right? okay yep. so that it, it was an old trauma and it was one that was entirely hidden and was it your traditional kind of Western approach to addiction uh, when you went and you, you went to this rehab center that you thought? Yeah, I went, to, I went to the big one in Malibu and, and uh, that's where I met Dr. Jeff actually there. Okay. And uh, it was traditional, but that, that 
So I met Dr. Jeff in 2009. I did the plant medicine in 2014. And, uh, and then right after I did that, I had a 180 in my life where, well, I quit smoking cigarettes, which I was smoking since I was 12. Yeah, those are not good for you. You know, two packs a day, but I would really draw on them, like really rough. Wow. And um, so I quit that. I basically quit drinking. I could have a little bit of wine and not have it matter. Uh, and I haven't done a drug since 2014. Uh, I haven't done a pharmaceutical drug other than I took Advil and on occasion NyQuil when I got a cold. I it's kind of funny. What Western drugs actually work a lot of them. They have a, a lot of them sometimes. do. Yeah, like, a lot yeah. of them do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not a naysayer on them. For me, it wasn't right. You know, and so you should minimize your use of those and usually it's short term, but I there there are a group of listeners uh, who are saying you know, all drugs are bad. It's like actually they kind of no, can save your life true. and they can take away <laughs> post-surgical pain in a meaningful way, but they're Absolutely. they're not without risk. Correct. But, I mean, that's how I see it. Okay. And you switch to these plant medicines. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't say switch to for, for treating pain, but you, you had a breakthrough using uh, plant medicines and you were able to heal your trauma that way. What, was there other stuff you did or was it pretty much well, you know, what, one what vision? Was interesting is that it actually happened all in one night. And this is what's so super hard to get your hands around that, that, Five, I was in counseling five days a week for five years previous to that. When I went to, to the rehab, when I got out, I didn't have a job. I had a bunch of money, and I just went to therapy all day, five days a week. And that went on for five years. And then I did this plant medicine, and I had this thing where it showed me what happened to me. It showed me who I'd become as a result of that. My soul came in and merged with me. I know this sounds crazy. It remerged with me. And then I was given a new heart. I swear to God. And, and so then the, the next journey, which was two days later, it told me to buy a place and to do this for other people. And this is just how this happened. We bought this place, got it licensed. We've had 6,000 people through the door. 95.12% of them have the exact same thing happened to them has happened to me. And I know that that sounds crazy, but it's true. It's electronically self-reported data. But, uh, and, and my life changed in a day and it changed in a day. And then it took years to make sense of, of that change. Like to, to understand, well, to learn how to live life. I, I never, I was just working like a, like a, a rat on a, on a, on one of those wheels. I was just uh, working and working and working because I was afraid to, to feel anything, you know? Yeah. I, I've had, you know, breakthroughs in my own healing from traumas. Uh, as far as, as far as I know, um, I didn't deal with any uh, sexual traumas. And I think at this point I would know if that was in my background. Uh -huh. um, but I, I definitely had, you know, a, a lot of anxiety and and uh, a lot of birth related trauma and things like that. I've been pretty open on the show talking about it, and I I had some breakthroughs from holotropic breathing, 
which uh-huh. uh, which is a big deal. And this is what Stan Groff, who's been on the show, he's in his 90s in Superhuman. I talk about the wisdom of your elders. Like these people who are uh-huh. 20 or 40 or 50 years older than you, they know a lot. But he and his wife created a kind of breathing when LSD became illegal because he was using prescription LSD from Sandoz Pharmaceuticals, major company, uh, in the 60s with a license in order to develop transpersonal psychology. And a lot of plant medicine is based on the transpersonal psychology perspective. So there's breathing, and then there's there's LSD, and there's mushrooms, and there's MDMA, there's ayahuasca, there's ibogaine, and a collection of other lesser known things like there's peyote. um, And all of them are illegal in most places. And I say most of those are illegal in most places. Yeah, but I I look at I look at that universe of things, and and then I go, all right, there's very clear evidence. Now I'm going to go into like complete conspiracy land, except I've seen the evidence <laughs> that the CIA and MK Ultra and people like that introduced LSD <laughs> and probably popularized some of these things in the '60s because they thought it would make it easier to control people. Now one of the uh-huh. guys who came on my show. Um, who actually believes that I, because I talk about these as, hey, maybe these can be helpful. He believes I'm a CIA, I think stooge is what he called me uh, later. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, uh, I, to the best of my knowledge, I have never interacted with the CIA, but I did sit next to a CIA guy, CIA guy on an airplane once who had been tortured and told me how he got over his trauma. That, that's the extent of my CIA connections. Um, but I, I do wonder, I mean, these, these plant medicines make, they make your brain more malleable. Uh, like they give you more control of your brain, but they can also make you more suggestible. Do you do you worry about that? I, I'm not really sure. The thing is, it's it. What I've noticed is that this place that you go to on these medicines is so deep and and so wide. And no matter how many times you're there, you pick up maybe what you learned. You can fit on the head of a pin. While you're over there, uh-huh. and what does it? What happens to people as they go back and forth from that side to this side? I've only seen positive things. I've seen people's lives get in order and and all of that. I don't know if they're more suggestible when they're over here. I don't know, uh, and and you know it's so hard because so much of it is anecdotal because the human mind remembers the last person that you spoke to, right? Uh, and without any good science on that, it'd be hard to have even an opinion, right? It, it It's a fair point. Uh, and there's a lot we don't know. And we're seeing MAPS. And the founder of MAPS, uh, Rick Doblin, has been on the show several years ago. Uh, interesting. Um, and, and so I, I'm like, look, there's something interesting and useful going on here. Uh, after a lot of study of this kind of stuff, um, I would say that plant medicines are not without risk. That there are people who go Perfect. bonk, they go bonkers, right? True. Like if you were already unstable, you're, you're schizophrenic, or there's things. And same way, by the way, with meditation, just meditation. There are people who go crazy That's for true. meditating and yep. stay crazy. Uh huh. And the more aggressive the meditation, the fast path Buddhism, they warn you. Oh, you might get enlightened in this life, or you might go nuts. Like it's pretty much yeah. one or the other. But if you wanted to do it, here you go. And, you, and by the way, find a cave to live in. You know, it, it's pretty intense. So. <laughs> You're not finding that you have people have you know a major spiritual crisis or need long-term therapy. 
uh, after well, this? Well, we do, we do a pretty heavy-duty medical screening okay. up front and then another one at the resort. And what we found is not so much schizophrenia, but, but rapid cycling bipolar yeah. are predisposed to have a psychotic break. And, and so we try our best to, to make sure we don't get involved. Now, what's interesting with that is that even those people that have the break, that have that, that, that split that looks horrific during the event, uh, two and three weeks later, uh, claim to, to really be in a much better place than they've been for a period of time. So it, it's a real rough one. It looks bad while it's happening. Uh huh. Uh, cause we've had two of them here and uh, where we've, people have underreported the situation and, uh, it, I mean, out of six thousand people, right? Out of six thousand, yes. And it's it's interesting because I, I the states that people go into uh, using advanced neurofeedback, uh, which is yeah. where I put a lot of things. You can see similar visionary states. That it's not the yes. same as plant medicine. They're they're different. But if you look at someone's brain waves, you'd see some, you know, the Venn diagram Adam. overlaps, right? Yes. And the same thing from real powerful breathing exercises. I mean, I, I've actually seen more crazy stuff doing holotropic breathing than I have on any substance. I'm going to tell you what, what in our breath work, <laughs> yeah. this is just, it's amazing. Cause it's, it lines up with our findings. Yeah. Uh, about 31% of the people that stay here and our, our course is a seven day thing, right? So four plant medicine nights, three transformational breath work nights, they report, 31% of the people report uh, more visions in, in the breath work than they did in the medicine nights. So <laughs> it's just crazy? the way, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. And stacking those up are, are really important, uh, I yes. think. And you're the only person I know who does it in that way or the only yeah. group. One of the things that I found through some of my visionary experiences, whether it's you know fasting for days in the desert in a cave all by myself or you know, various uh, medicinal things, or even just coming back from a few months in Nepal and Tibet, learning meditation, re-entering uh, normal society, or heck, just coming back after Burning Man. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, I'm walking around in a world full of normal stuff. What do you do uh, for people to re-enter society as functioning human beings who aren't, you know, walking around wearing white robes and, you know, with their third eye tattooed on? <laughs> like, I, I got it. So... Like, well, first off, what's interesting is of those 6,000, about 74% of the people that come here are professional people by trade. Uh-huh. And, and usually, usually they're currently employed and, and have to go back into a work environment in, on Monday, right? So, so we have an aftercare package that we give people, which includes daily practice that's connected through a portal to here. So we, we make sure that they maintain this daily practice for at least 14 days at so, least. So when you say connected to a portal, I'm assuming you mean like a web portal, not like yes. some sort of trans-dimensional, <laughs> they teleport their- Well, that portal too. <laughs> teleport their kidneys to you and you upgrade them or something. No. <laughs> just checking. And, <laughs> and we try to just, you know, make sure that they, they don't drink alcohol for the first 14, you know, just normal, normal things. But, uh, but, but you, they seem to adjust incredibly well. So 71% report an adjustment period that lasts about, about two and a half weeks on average. And, 
And that's kind of like where this new thought is rooting. And, and then as they come out of it, they, uh, the interesting stat here is that at six months, we send another survey. And 97.55% of the 95% still say that this thing is working in their life uh, six months later. So the change really rooted and continues. But it doesn't take away from that adjustment period, which is about uh, about three weeks. Yeah. Oh, it was about three weeks. Okay. Uh-huh. Now... I love that you're gathering data on just what people's experiences are. I had one one experience, and this was uh, in the early early days of me doing uh, just intense breath work and really intense altered states neurofeedback. Uh, I I started a new job. Uh, I spent like seven days <laughs> kind of tweaking, for lack of a better a better word. Um, this was actually without plant medicines, but it was uh, it was intense. And, and I started this new job and, and this, uh, one of the assistants at the company, she walks up to me and she goes, do you, do you meditate? And I go, yeah, why? And, and she's like, you have this look in your eyes that I've only seen in my guru from India. <laughs> and I, was like, that right? I was like walking around this new job and I had no idea what was going on because I was, I mean, I was, I think I only had one foot on this plane and it took me, a, like you said, a couple of weeks before uh, my brain sort of settled back down into its normal operating mode. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so I'm glad that you're addressing that and you're saying, all right, you know, here's your package, here's your practice and here's how to come back in a high functioning state versus like, uh, I've been opened up, but now I've got to kind of pick up my pieces. <laughs> now, what, what do people actually do in ayahuasca ceremony? I mean, I know how I did it in the jungle, um, but you have a, a, a slightly different approach. We do. So. We do one completely traditional night, which is the last night, which is an all-night ceremony using Yahe, which is just another type of, of ayahuasca. Uh, but the first three nights are kind of a hybrid that, that we've developed, which is it's shorter nights. Uh, the first night's an introductory night. The second night's a, a going deeper night. The third night is a feminine night, uh, all conducted by, by women. And then the last night is a traditional Colombian ceremony from the Punta Maya region of, of Colombia. And that wraps that, uh, the sessions up. What, what we find uh, happens is this thing that I talk about, this soul merger, which by the way, when I did it, this is how little I knew, I thought I discovered that. And then I, I, I got closer to the medicine and I, I found out that I was about 10,000 years late <laughs> yeah. partying on that. You know? <laughs> There's not a lot that someone doesn't know about plant medicine in a tribe somewhere. Uh, it's just the knowledge isn't that evenly distributed. Right. And, uh, but this thing that happens, it, it, it happens consistently. It's repeatable. It happens the same time at the same place. The numbers stack up Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. So by Thursday night, 90% of these people have had this experience of merging back with their soul. And their soul usually appears as um, them as a, as a pre-five-year-old person. And, and then that person comes back in and they get their heart healed. And it sounds crazy. Trust me, I know how crazy this sounds. And, and before any of this craziness, I was a really, a really frustrated, conservative 
even though my life was crazy, I was politically conservative, uh, religiously conservative, uh, financially conservative. I, uh huh. And I went from that to somebody that can't speak openly in the Denny's because they'll they'll run and get me a, a straitjacket, right? Uh, so, so ayahuasca changed how you vote. <laughs> well, actually, I don't vote anymore. But, but, <laughs> but yes, if it if it were, it would. Uh, Why don't you vote? I don't vote because uh, I, I see both sides of that as as you know wings of the same bird right now. Uh-huh. So, so if if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I would really think so. Okay, because it's crazy. I mean, when we were young, Republicans were not you know were allegedly spending less money, taxing less. There was a there was a system going on that doesn't seem to be present right now, you know? Uh, I, I understand what you're saying there. Um, you're, you're doing other work in the world. Yes. Now, I'm going to push back a little bit on this. It, Go ahead. People are merging with their soul. Okay? I've done a lot yeah. of inner child work, um, uh-huh. you know, reintegrating parts of yourself. I've worked with uh, shamans from Siberia, uh, shamans of South America. I've done shamanic training with I, with Alberto Viotto, who's been on Bulletproof Radio, uh, and I've gotten to know some very powerful people with weird hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got- and some of them just look like normal people, and some of them you're like, okay, you're definitely a shaman, right? But these are just people; they can do stuff that that I I do not have words for. I mean, Shaman right. Durek has been on the show, and. Uh, I've heard him speak languages he doesn't speak. And, and like, look, there's some there's some corner cases that are highly unusual where people can do uh, some unusual stuff. So I'm just saying I'm really open to the, to the idea that there's stuff going on. But I also wonder, you're saying merging with your soul. How do you know it's it's your soul you're merging with? Not like your 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 fractured inner child, a soul, what they call uh-huh. it, called a soul shattering that Trump's talking about. Like, how do you know what's really going on in there? Who, who knows? T- tell yeah. me, and who knows like, and this is where I get with this. I'm, I am not a shaman, Derek. Uh, I'm not a shaman. I'm a business guy that had this craziness happen to him. And it was told to me because, as crazy as it sounds, the, the moon types. And, and I read what she's typing. It was told to me that that was a merging of the soul. That's as scientific as it gets. And, and yet people report the same thing. So let's say that it's a reconnection to the inner child. Let's say that it's it's uh, a shattering of the ego. You can call it an ego death. There's all different terms. The result is uh, someone that that walks away looking. I can tell you right now, if I was doing before and after pictures, I'd I could sell more than most plastic surgeries. Yeah, yeah, because people look I, so. You know, I, I've seen the same thing. Uh, from multiple types of, you spend a week really going deep, and when people are done with that, like they're they look younger, like their eyes they are glowing. You, yeah. you really you see a big difference from it, and it, there's this this sparkle, uh, for right. lack of a better word. And what is going on in there? How like I have to tell you, when I went into a float tank, I got super confused. And the float tank after a couple hours feels a lot like thirty minutes into a. Uh, an ayahuasca journey when people start showing up and where are they from? I don't know where they're from. Like, where, where are you? I don't know where you're at, you know? 
the, it, it's really funny because there's a huge contingent of you know, skeptical Western scientists. By the way, that's most of my family. You know, for multiple generations, <laughs> they've been PhD scientists, engineers, uh, and you know, I studied computer science and information systems and artificial intelligence and all that. And so you're like, okay, all of that is not real, right? But then yeah. the science in me is, oh, wait a minute. If 10 people do the same thing and eight of the 10 see the same things, it's actually real. And what's been most interesting to me is that when you look at shamanic practices from around the world, you can take people from different continents who are you know, the medicine person of their tribe and they can sit down and compare notes and the notes look ridiculous. So the same, like, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there too. And you're going, what the heck? I'm walking around, I just see trees, right? And they're seeing, you know, gnomes or whatever the heck they see, right? Yeah. Um, so I have... I'm 100% convinced, and I'm saying this you know, for listeners, like, look, there's stuff out there that you probably don't know how to see that someone around you probably does, and that some of us, at least, um, are wired to, uh, to either to see it in brief glimpses and that it can be beneficial. Um, what I don't know here is, you know, there's all kinds of interesting distributed intelligences. You look at the secret life of trees. You look at the way bacterial biofilms form, you look at the way our mitochondria work together. There's these distributed systems of intelligence. And I don't know where plant medicine fits into all that. Uh, do you have any thoughts or theories? Like, are, are you plugging yourself into a new matrix? Are you, you know, becoming one with the moon? Uh, yeah. Becoming I, one with I, the vine? I, like, I, is, is there a residual connection to things? I, I, this, this gets way out there. We don't know. But what do you think? My gut is yes. My gut is that this is the, you know, that you can get to the beginning of the beginning and all of the things that you mentioned, the more that we find out, the more we see an intelligence in all things that's beyond description, right? How can, how can these things be smart, right? And yet we're finding it everywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm no scientist. I am no, uh, I'm not even a qualified medicine guy. Uh, again, I'm just someone that... And You're a business now, guy, we, I got it. In, but we served more medicine than anywhere in the world in the last year and a half, two years, you know? Uh, and, and we have people on staff that are true medicine people and get all this. What I look at is, is what I feel because there isn't data on what's really going on. The only barometer I have is how do I feel? Am I healthy? Uh, things that that are tangible to me, and okay. and those things are changed immeasurably by by the medicine in almost everybody we talk to. Is that when you get there to that place? And I don't even know what that you know what that place is. You can get there in super meditation. You can get there. There's different ways to yeah. get to that place. But when you are at that place, are you? there before all time is at the beginning of the beginning and that's that's this point i don't know it feels like that to me and uh, you said something really interesting that there's multiple ways to get there and um my my book before superhuman called game changers I, I, one of the 46 laws that i found from interviewing 500 people statistically uh looking at their answers and and clustering them and and just a as a rigorous of an approach as I could get to figuring out what people who do big things in the world do. Uh -huh. um, the law was something like get outside of, of your head or get outside your comfort zone. 
and I talk about plant medicine in, in that book, and I relate some of my own experiences and, and others who I've interviewed. And that said, I think that, that book has almost entirely five-star reviews. It's my highest number of stars book. And the two one-star reviews, like Dave Asprey talked about LSD, he's a bad man. <laughs> and, and I'm like, look, I, I, well, I was very clear. There are paths that do not involve substances, right? Yes. There's shamanic drumming, there's yep. breathing, there's electrical stimulation, there's float tanks, there's neurofeedback, like there's Sweat all these bottle. things. So for That's people who are listening to this going, I would never take a drug, just say no. Nancy Reagan is still in my head. Like, look, it's okay. You, you can just say no and you can still understand that there's some kind of a spiritual part to being uh, a fully integrated, high-performance human being. That's my my but, uh, perspective. Dave, don't, don't you see there there? For people that have not gotten to that place, once you're at that place, it's more real. And this is the common dialogue. Yeah. So the person goes home and says, oh, this happened to me. And the, the spouse says, oh, no, dude, that was just in your head. And then the person says, you weren't there. You don't know how real it was. I was actually there at the beginning of the beginning because it really is real. and and. I mean, I believe it to be, in my opinion, after talking to all these people, that what happens to you when you're in that state is real. Now you speak to the, the real, the real uh, deep breath work people, and they get to that place as well. Uh-huh. There is that place, and that place is real. And that place, from that place, we can kind of re-engineer ourselves to be healthier, smarter, quicker, like have a better golf swing, crazy stuff from that place. What's uh, the craziest thing you've seen? Like, does someone come in on a wheelchair and come out running marathons? I, I'm like, like what's, what's the most extreme uh, transformation that you've seen? We see a lot of people that, that get, I know it sounds crazy, but get rid of crutches and that kind of thing. But what I've seen in sports is, is and I wish I could mention some names, but I can't, but I've seen people that were stuck uh, in golf that came for a week and then set a 15-year PGA record the next week. I saw a guy that couldn't win in NASCAR that came out the week after they were here and win. So like there's something from a performance standpoint where uh, you quiet, it, it can quiet the mind enough to create focus. Uh-huh. And that's something that is kind of tangible, although you could say, uh, you know, that's just anecdotal because it could have been just their turn to win and da-da-da-da-da. But to hear it from them, and, and especially uh, people in athletics, where athletics, especially athletic sports that require focus, uh, this, this almost like a biofeedback, uh, a permanent state of that post-biofeedback feeling, where you're you just have attentional control that seems to be the most amazing things that i see at the highest level from this thing it, it's the idea of turning down the voice in your head and um there's something about addiction that you mentioned people throwing away crutches and things like that um i've had uh, joe polish on uh, on the show joe polish runs uh, genius network he's a he's a dear friend and 
I'm one of the guys who helped me get my my business going. And he's also like you, you know, very successful, and also just says, "Look, I was a drug addict, a sex addict, you know, alcoholic, and just all all okay. kinds of all kinds <laughs> of garbage." And now he's he's um, a, a guiding light behind a lot of my entrepreneur friends. Uh, but his big mission in life is to help people with addiction. And his point there is, addicts are always in pain. Always right? that that pain is is a part of it. And as an addict. I'm just going to ask, were you in pain, like physical pain, not just emotional pain? I was in self-imposed physical pain. So I would have broken bones and, and things like that that were a result of drinking. Uh, and then I was never really present because I was either, I was either drunk or hungover almost all the time. So, so the pain that I experienced was more of a, an internal pain of what, what is wrong with me? And I really do believe like Gabor Mate and, and guys that, and, and from what I've seen here that all or almost all addiction is the result of, of unhealed trauma. Almost all of it. Yeah. yeah. And Joe would say the same thing. In fact, we went through that in, in his interview and I'll, I'll link to that as well for people who, uh, who want to listen to that. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It, it is about, old trauma and it can be emotional uh, abuse. It can be physical abuse, it can be sexual abuse, or it can also just be birth, <laughs> which isn't absolutely that, that was a big trigger for me. Like, I had the cord wrapped around my neck. I came into the world thinking someone was trying to kill me. And I sort Fact. of believed that for 30 years. Right. And you will be in physical pain. So it, it makes sense to me. And I've seen, uh, you know, we, we've all seen videos of, you know, a preacher in the front of a, a church and people throwing away their, their crutches. Some of that is totally staged in BS. And some yes. of that is actually people who had a, a healing and they, they re-related the way they thought of their pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Sarno from Harvard, Oxford, one of the big schools has written multiple books about that. People read the book and they stop hurting because they recharacterize their pain. Do you think that part of part of your healing as an addict, you know, you're experiencing less pain. It came about from just a change in perspective that was from the plant medicine, or was it actually like a bio biological biochemical sort of thing? I, I honestly believe that, that when your, your knowledge of what's going on, like I really believed that I, that, that I was given a new heart and then I merged my soul. And then that belief uh, changes everything. Right, the belief because this is all belief related, right? This is there's there's nothing that's not belief related. How do you know it was a new heart, not just you finding the heart that was yours that was always in there? Because the moon handed me, well, the moon in this thing has hands, handed me a <laughs> heart, types. okay, uh-huh. and types and put it in my chest. So I was like, and told me, this is your new heart, you know. So I I having this world of of plant medicine was so foreign to me. And, and the, the next day I just knew, and, and this is the difference I think between hoping, I hope my cancer gets better. I hope my pain gets better. I hope my hair regrows. I hope whatever the hope is versus knowing that I got fixed. And from that knowledge, everything else follows suit, right? I mean, I mean you found that scientifically, right? That is, that is true, but you made me think of something here. Now, is it true that when you're an ultra successful guy, you have to have Richard Branson hair? <laughs> well, I heard that. 
<laughs> I mean, you, you've kind of got it going on there. I, I mean, you've got this thick, wavy hair. I, I don't know. I, I think there might be something to that. I'm going to grow my hair out, I, I just to say. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the rhythmic breath work that's a part of the week at Rhythmia. Um, what is it based on? Like, what is it, is it a box breath? Do you like breathe a lot? Just kind of walk me through what, what a, the kind of breath work you do looks like. It's, it's very similar to transformational breath work where okay. it's a continuous breath. Continuous and, breath, so like very rapid, deep breaths? Deep, uh, slower, but continuous. Okay. And people can actually have out-of-body experiences during this, this uh, the breath work. And, and uh, very similar changes happen to, to their mind that they believe things they... So, so the premise of the week, and you can see if this is, if this is by suggestion or not, like your, your, the statement you made earlier, where the course is given on Monday, and the course is just this, what happened to me and what other people have reported. And then they drink medicine Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, they go into breathwork, Saturday night, they go into breathwork. 10% of the people have this merger happen in breathwork Friday and Saturday night. And so they see this thing occur. And is this the result of them being prompted? I don't know because this was happening consistently here before that class was being taught. So it's, it's hard to, to figure. It, it is hard to, to sort all that out. And you're, you're stacking modalities, which can be you know, exponential in, in how it works. Uh, I, I do know the first time I did breath work, they didn't put any cues in there. I mean, it was part of a, a 10-day thing. But uh, I went in and I was, if there's 25 people in the room doing breath work with uh, about, I think we had a dozen facilitator therapists uh-huh. in the room as well. Yeah. And uh, so this was a place where you could go really deep. But I, I'm... St- very much an engineering mindset here. And I completely leave my body and all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, I hear screaming and I kind of come back and I look around and like four, four mats down, some lady has like taken all of her clothes off and is like uh-huh. ecstatically dancing on her, on her thing. And, and like, you know, the, the staff is like, you know, safe space, you do whatever you need to do to heal. Right. She was in some altered state, but there was no drugs here. These are just um. from breathing. So I got you. So the people who are listening to this going breath work, whatever, like I've done pranayama or I took some deep breaths. You don't understand. Like you can trip balls from the trip right balls. kinds of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, I talked to that lady afterwards and, and she had huge amounts of body shame and she'd had some sexual trauma uh, and she was letting go of that. Like nothing I've ever seen. And afterwards she was like, I can't believe like I let go and, and like I'm I'm better. And and you know, you this is completely a world of nonlinear, not rational. It's all spirit, emotion, feeling stuff. And so it it if breath work to to someone listening just sounds like, oh, I'm you know, I'm gonna do the box breath to calm my nervous system, this is a different uh, a different, a different recipe. Right? <laughs> okay. And and Dave, I know a lot of your 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 Listeners and followers are are super smart and educated, and they they may hear this and go, "Well, that's they just sounds- have big egos, really." <laughs> well, that they're great for us. <laughs> uh, but you know, when when you hear this kind of thing, and it sounds so so ridiculous, I have people all the time that are that are science based. They're saying, "Well, is this really happening, or is it a placebo?" Like, because we have these people that report 
you know, six months later, how their health has changed and all this stuff. And, and my comeback to that is, is how would anybody know and, and why other than a scientist would you care? If the result is there, how it happens, I mean, we don't really know how many things happen, do we? <laughs> I don't well, know. It, it turns out it, it is very science-based. And uh-huh. like you, like with the neurofeedback uh, facility uh, where I would say it's complimentary to what, to what you do, I, we've done brain scans. Okay, this would be science because we're measuring data and 90% yes. of people have the changes that they turned on when they did the, the deep work, yep. right? And you're seeing a similar number, 90% of people you're saying uh, after a while, I don't know what your time frame is, are, are experiencing changes that stuck, right? Yeah, they stick. And they stick six so, months later. So, so now the first part of the scientific method is observation. Uh-huh. Okay, so you've observed that there's a change. Okay, that would be science, right? And then the next one is you make a hypothesis, right? And the hypothesis is that this combination of stuff creates this change, and then you test it. And gee, 90%, there you go. Now, the next step of the scientific method would be, okay, let's make up a story about why this is true, right? So let's make up a story, and I'm gonna piss off a lot of people with this. Let's make up a story that it's because um, the plant medicine increased levels of brain-derived nootropic factor. Oh, and we have a study that shows it does that in mice, so it probably really does, uh-huh. right? So, and that increases neuroplasticity. And by the way, there are supplements, some of the ones I make and other ones other companies make, and there's mushrooms, not hallucinogenic ones that do the same thing. Like, you, you can raise this. So our story is gonna be, this came about because of BDNF. So now, I'm gonna do the test again. 90% of people saw a change, therefore it's BDNF. Now, that story may or may not be true. Right, but you can believe <laughs> right. it. Right, and and it goes back to do you know who Candace Pert is? No. So Candace Pert, she passed away before I could interview her, which I'm sad about. She discovered the opiate receptor in humans. She worked at the NIH and wrote uh, one of the the first books about you know signaling molecules. And her life's path went from hardcore, kind of hateful, angry western scientists to talking about oh, i went to esalen and you know i, I realized this and she ended up meeting with shamans and she, she's like look we have these neurotransmitters and these peptides and i can actually show you after all of these studies that this is the opiate receptor in the brain this is how it all works and the shamans start laughing and she goes why are you laughing and they go because you believe those things are real <laughs> right because <laughs> <laughs> I love that. They're both right. Candace's work was groundbreaking, and we can now manipulate the opiate receptor with pharmaceuticals, some of which are plants and some of which are chemicals, and, and some of which come from exercise. But we understand more, but it's still a hypothesis and a story. And likewise, you could say it's because leprechauns. So, so as a Western scientist, <laughs> as long as you have enough belief in your story about how something can happen, therefore it can happen. And as a, uh, someone who's equally a Western scientist and open to experience, like, hey, I did it. It worked. Other people do it. It works. And as a biohacker, I'm about getting results. I'm willing to do five things. And if only four of the five worked, did I get the results? And if the result is I felt better, a Western scientist is going to say, how do you know you felt better? You don't really feel better. <laughs> and you're like, hold on. Exactly. What about this observation yeah. step? Right. So, I'll get off my soapbox there. <laughs> I so understand that. And that's where, you know, this the whole thing gets 
gets super interesting. It's, it's the most interesting thing uh, when you get in these altered states and then what happens uh, next in your life. It's super interesting stuff. One of the things that people report when they use DMT, and DMT is, uh-huh. the, is one of the active ingredients in ayahuasca. <clears throat> so yeah. for people who don't know about ayahuasca, you know, it's a, a plant, uh, a vine, but for it to work, uh, it, the shamans figured out, oh, uh, you've got to disable some other enzymes called MAO in the body. Uh, so the combination, otherwise you just digest the DMT right away, it doesn't work. But people use DMT report the same types of visions reliably. There's a rebirthing sort of thing. There's also the machine elves. What the heck yeah. is a machine elf? Do people see those? A ton. Okay. A ton. Tell me about the machine elves. Well, what we the, the 73.88% of the people that come here have sacred surgery while they're here. And what the heck is sur- a sacred surgery? It's when they come in and start operating on, on people. And the, there's You're saying the machine elves do that? Well, there's, there's aliens of three descriptions. A, pr- a mechanical praying mantis okay. is number one. And then the machine elves we call small silvers and minions, and they report the same. And if we had like a police sketch artist, they're all reporting these things look yeah. very, very, very similar. They, they all say the same thing. Like the witnesses Absolutely. there all saw the same suspect. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the way that it, that, that it works is that they, uh, they'll feel some pain in their mouth, then they'll feel a numbing, and then they'll hear uh, these beings talking and saying, is it okay if we come in? And then they start moving things around in them, and we call it uh, sacred surgery. And, and they talk about it in such detail, it's amazing. Do you think that ayahuasca or other plant medicines have their own consciousness? I believe so. How do you know that it's working for your interests? All the only thing that I have is is the people that have been here and myself. So I'm I have let's say six thousand stories as to it working, uh-huh. and that's not actually true because there's fifty out of every thousand that say that it it didn't work. Uh-huh. So that's what fifty out of a thousand. So there's three hundred people that say. It didn't. 6,000 people are 5,700 that say it did and in detail how it did. Uh-huh. So it's, I mean, it's amazing stuff. Uh, very interesting. And it's, I, I just, I, the reason I want to have you on here is because I know you'd be real open about it. And you talked about the moon typing. You talked about the moon having yeah. hands, about it giving you a new heart. You talked about uh-huh. a praying mantis robot-like thing. Yeah. Uh, and you're also, you know, a 1% guy. <laughs> so, yes. I don't mean, do people ever just tell you that you're batshit crazy? My, all my friends that knew me from 15 years ago say, you know, before Jerry went crazy, you know, they, they all think that I'm, I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of people I meet think that I'm nuts, but, but I, I actually feel like my life is making more sense than it, than it ever has. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it, it's, it's very hard to put words to it. And, and it's the same thing if you tell someone about a dream. Like, so you, you turned into a boxcar and, <laughs> you know, like, what, what are you talking about? Right. Um, but there, there's something going on here. Um, and, the, the big question, I think, in, in everyone's mind is, you know, 
is this something that I would do and would, you know, would I like what I find? Do people like what they find when they do this kind of work? Or they're like, oh my God, like I, I'm a total shit show and I don't like it. Well, I can tell you this. It's, it is the hardest week's work I've ever seen someone do. If you come here with an open heart and say that I want to do this work, it will be a very, very hard week. The, the benefits of it, though, are amazing. I'm going to tell you something. We're TripAdvisor's highest consumer-rated resort of any type in the world. You've been here. It's not the Taj Mahal. It's a, it's a nice little place. It's nice, but, but it, it's not, you know, it, white linen kind, kind of a place. It's not the Waldorf. But, and but yet I, we rate did, higher than the Waldorf. Did you really just say TripAdvisor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's funny. <laughs> it is funny, I know. Yeah, crazy. Like how that could be. It's it's nuts. So if you read what happens to these people and they write these things on TripAdvisor, which is crazy. I, I thought TripAdvisor was, was the, the person leading the session with plant medicine. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, our, that's the internal TripAdvisor. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying that the, the people that report these things uh, it's amazing if you just if you if you read what these people are saying after they're here. All you have to do is read a couple pages of these things. There's thousands of them out there. It's amazing what happens to them uh, and how they feel. But but if you were to tell anybody it's easy, you'd be that's completely false advertising. It's hard work. Uh, really, really hard work. Hard work. It, any sort of personal development is is hard work, and I I will just be the first to say, uh, you know, having lost a hundred pounds, having you know, re- recovered my biology, and then working on these superhuman things. If you get your hardware working right, so you have enough energy in your cells, um, you're going to have more energy in your brain. And if you have more energy in the brain, personal development work is easier to do. And if you say, oh, I'm not going to do that you're only achieving some fraction of the performance you're capable of, of performing. And so that's, that's why I just openly talk about meditation and personal development and yoga and plant medicines, because you got to do some of that kind of stuff. If you want to show up the way that you, that you choose to show up instead of the way your traumas make you show up. So thanks for, for doing work on that in the world, Jerry. And thanks for being a guest on Bulletproof Radio. Thank you for having me, Dave. And thanks for coming to see our place. And your website is rhythmia.com? Yeah, www.rythmia.com. Excellent. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. 
Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.